This is Keep It 100, a podcast from Spotswood Creative that is designed to keep it real and honest about worship practices in the 21st century. We want to help you work through those issues like choosing worship songs, leading as a volunteer, worship stereotypes, worship conflicts, and figuring out if the theology is right in the song you just love or if you should just put it away. We're back talking about Worship War One. My name's Josh Morton. And I am Bailey. And we're excited to be back here with you talking about Worship War One, like I just said. Um, Are we excited about it or we're a little scared? I mean, <laughs> maybe a little nervous. <laughs> Mainly because I, I think the reason I get nervous talking about this is because we live in the culture of people who don't listen to what you're saying and they 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 want to say you're saying something that you're not saying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... Uh, I joke around and talk about the different cultures because you have cancel culture, but I also talk about disclaimer culture, which is not a real thing, but it is a real thing mm-hmm. because everybody disclaims everything that they say. And you also have like the poke hole culture, people that just poke holes in your argument no matter what. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you can be like, sky's blue. Well, is it? You know, you have those people. What if when, your blue's different than my blue? Yeah. What if your blue, what if there's a cloud in the sky, Josh? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Why? Why? So yeah. anyway, um, so when we talk about the topic today, I do get a little bit nervous because traditional worship is something that is a part of who I am mm-hmm. growing up, it, but it's not only who I am. And uh, when it comes to like my worship music identity, um, so I get a little nervous when I have to talk about what we're going to talk about today, which is the good, the bad, and the ugly of traditional worship. Mm. So what I'm nervous about is that you only heard bad and ugly yeah. and you didn't hear good. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of forecast for you what we're going to be doing. We're going to have a good, bad, and ugly of traditional worship today. Uh, next episode, good, bad, and ugly of contemporary worship. And Bailey, the final episode, what are we doing? That's you why. can't do that to me. <laughs> I'm going to gonna leave that part in there because that's kind of funny. Um, I won't leave the whole thing in there, but I'll leave that part in there. So basically the third episode uh, in this, well, I should say the fourth episode in this sequence is to talk about how the, the two worlds really aren't that different from yes, each other. Yes, yes. So we did, t- we did we, discuss that. Yes, how we do did we, discuss that. How do we come out of, out of the worship war? And really it's being unified together. But we'll get to that. If you haven't learned, I'm time. a um, step-by-step person. Josh is a pull from the air person and yeah. so he looked at me and I was like what I don't yeah. see anything in her ba- notes <laughs> Bailey's a list person and I'm a I'm a 30,000 foot seeing everything and thinking about stuff that's like seven eight weeks down the road that has nothing to do with what we're doing right yes. now and I'll fixate on it it's real bad anyway <laughs> um so that's why that's why I need Bailey because she's helps me keep, stay stay focused <laughs> so talking about the good bad and ugly of traditional worship today so, uh, the good side of traditional worship, Bailey. So you've really stepped into traditional worship probably for the first time coming here to Spotswood, right? Yeah, I mean, kind of. I was involved in a campus band, a campus worship band um, at my university, um, and there were sometimes on occasion, like if we had to sing at certain events, they were like, "Hey, like we need you to do like a hymn." Sure, but. Normally, it was like a modernized hymn. It right. wasn't like with the quote-unquote organ 
Right. We don't have an organ, but it's a keyboard with an organ setting. Right. Um, like it wasn't with that though. So yeah, to be submerged in traditional worship, this is the first time. Sure. So there is a, would you say that there is a good side? Like, are there some things that in our traditional service that you have been like, "Mm, I didn't know this song and it actually has pretty solid lyrics. Like, have you ever had a moment like that since you've been here? Oh yeah, for sure. And I've also had conversations with people, which we go, we're going to talk about this a little bit, but the meaning behind some of the songs that we sing doesn't just stop with the lyrics on the page. A lot of people are carrying it from their childhood. And just like when I hear Be Glad by Brooklyn Tab, right. they hear Cornerstone, It Is Well, all these hymns that I also probably couldn't name the names of. Sure. They hear them and it carries much more weight with them. Sure. So I've definitely noticed that as well. Absolutely. So that, that kind of speaks to the first thing that's the good side of traditional worship. One thing that traditional worship brings to the table that cannot be discredited, um, it can, can it become an idol? Yes. But can it be discredited? No. Is the heritage that the hymnal itself brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Because when you, when you open a hymnal, like when you open the, the, um, the Southern Baptist hymnal that we use here, and you flip through the pages and you look, oh, this song was written in 17... 17- 70 whatever and this song was written in 18 what 1842 and um and and some of them older way older than that when you look at that and you realize that you're a part of the community and the culture that created it Mm -hmm. and over time we've developed these really good songs that connect us to the father Mm mm-hmm that's something that can't be taken away. And I don't think it's something that needs to be forgotten either. That's very, very good because sometimes it's really easy to forget that some of the things that we go through today, people of yesteryear, people of, you know, yester century, I don't know. I made that up. Yester century. (laughs) uh, They went through something similar and here's how they dealt with it. And that, Mm -hmm. that to me is something that, should not just be discredited and dismissed. It's a good thing. Yeah. Um, another another good thing in traditional worship is the consistency. Um, going through COVID, having everything be just completely different than anything we've ever known, mm-hmm. everybody is grasping for consi- some sort of consistency. Yeah. Um, some people say, oh, I can't, I'm just ready for the new normal. I'm ready for whatever it is just to be here so we can get back to what? A consistent thing because yeah. COVID took us out of our consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, hymns do that. Traditional worship does that because um, every week it's fairly predictable. Now, you can argue and say, well, Josh, the contemporary worship is fairly predictable. You got them 7-Eleven songs. <laughs> you know, you got that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about theological consistency holy 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 is the lord god almighty Mm -hmm. you know like that we all know that because it's scripture we also all know that because of the song holy 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 lord god almighty those who have been in traditional worship we know that because of the song and it's been sung for for years and years and years and years and years um another thing that i think is really really good about traditional worship is the melodic content 
is usually really good. Mm-hmm. The melodies go somewhere. Um, it's not like like the traditional people joke around about contemporary worship. Like you'll sing the same, you'll sing a sequence of words on the same two notes mm-hmm. for the entire verse. Yeah. And, and just speaking as somebody who writes music, like in compose, composes mm-hmm. music and arranges music. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I, I get that some of those, some of the contemporary songs get a little, you know, repetitive in the, in the melody. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the song that we're going to talk about at the, at the end today, uh, come thou found. Yeah. Um, that melody goes somewhere mm-hmm. like it, it it takes you in a direction and then lands you at the end of the verse yeah most contemporary songs don't have that much range in terms of melodic content yeah um and it's it's a it's a thing of beauty and 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 that's one of the things that we put our songs through Mm -hmm. is it singable is it beautiful yeah well the melodic content definitely is beautiful so that's something that's really really good about traditional worship uh pretty much anyone can 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 participate bailey before she came here she didn't say she's never sung any traditional anything (laughs) ever she has i could probably count on my hand right (laughs) but you know what bailey was able to do jump in and do it roughly (laughs) <laughs> roughly she she might have panic attack uh 20 oh my minutes goodness. before my first sunday in a traditional service when i tell you i was shaking <laughs> i was shaking see that that's so weird like it's so foreign to me because like from when it comes to the actual hymns themselves i do not get nervous about them i get i get nervous about the transitions in between hymns mm-hmm. i do not get nervous about the songs themselves because they're, they're just like permanently branded in my brain right so to hear somebody say that they were like oh my Oh, I was like, my heart was pounding. Classic set of nerves. Classic. (laughs) Um, But that's proof. You jumping in. Yes, albeit nervously, but you did jump (laughs) in. Yeah. You, anybody can just jump in fairly quickly, fairly quickly and participate in some capacity. Yeah. If if you have, it's possible. Right. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Um. And the, I would say the last thing that I, I should say, the, the, this is not the only things that are good about traditional worship. Last thing we're going to talk about. Yeah, last thing we're going to talk about is most of the time the theology is pretty sound. I yeah. mean, they, these guys, the people that wrote this stuff were pretty good theologians, and they ran this stuff by other people and didn't just write them themselves and spit them out into an album. And they were so, getting their theology from the Bible yes. and not the internet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which is vitally important, <laughs> which for those of you that are listening, the contemporary person is the one that said that. Mm-hmm. So it's important that you, that we all realize that just because you're a contemporary person doesn't mean that, or just because the person you're talking to is a contemporary person mean, doesn't mean they don't care about theology. Yeah. Bailey, Bailey puts this stuff under a microscope. So it's, it's, it's vitally <laughs> important to her. So those are kind of some of the good things. Um, it's, those aren't the only things no. when it comes to descriptors of traditional worship. And that's what we're going to talk about next. Um, so next, the thing that we're nervous to talk about is the bad side of traditional worship. Yes. Though nervous, it's important for us to discuss. So I think it's important to bring back, to keep, keep Bailey in the conversation, because I, I, I can talk about traditional worship all day long. I want to keep her in this conversation. When she mentioned earlier she was nervous, 
one of the thing the first thing here, although Bailey can read notated music, tr- contemporary music is is not notated no, not notated note for note ninety nine percent of the time. No. Um, it's a chord chart. You listen to the melody and you memorize the melody or do a very very close version of the melody. Yeah. Well, in traditional worship. There are notes on a page. Oh my goodness. And it is to yeah. be sung the way it's on the page. So one of the bad bad I would say a bad side of traditional worship is not that it's notated musically. Um that n- musical notation matters as somebody who composes and writes regularly. Um I like writing notes out on a page and seeing the melody mm-hmm. move and so on and so forth. But that can be difficult. Bailey tell me Tell me why that's difficult. Well, I think, I mean, prime example, when I'm hearing these hymns in my preparation, a lot of the times it's the first time I'm hearing this hymn. Mm. Um, So in comparison to a contemporary worship song, something that I'm more comfortable with, I can normally guess where it's going to go. Yeah. In my harmonies, I can normally dictate what I want to do within the confines of the chord structure um, with a hymn, not the case <laughs> because the chord structure is so precise. It's, yeah. It's very precise, um, which is great for, I think for a someone who, who is musical, we see stuff like that. Sure. Um, granted someone sitting in a congregation that probably doesn't have much knowledge of music. They're going to hear it and be like, that sounds beautiful or that sounds cool. But us, it's like, well, I have to be sure as an alto, as the alto on this song, I'm singing this note because if not, it'll clash with Hannah, who's singing the tenor line on this song. Right. And if we sing even just like a third away from what our note is supposed to be that's written on the page, it's going to sound rough. <laughs> and <Yeah>. you're going to notice. <laughs> yeah. So in traditional hymn, hymnody, right, mm-hmm. usually every word and sometimes every syllable is a different chord. Yeah. You may play, so I'm going to go into a music theory thing. Sorry, everyone. Sorry, everyone. But you may play um, a one chord, a four chord, a five chord, a minor six chord, moving back to the four chord, moving to a mm-hmm. two chord. And that may happen on two words in a mm-hmm. hymn. Where in contemporary worship, you may be good to play two separate chords in an entire verse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and something that's funny, um, and I don't know if this is a good or a bad, honestly, it's just a observation that I had, is that as I'm learning these hymns in a contemporary worship song, because the chords don't change with, you know, every word, every syllable, mm. like we're talking about, I, as the person harmonizing, move with the melody. Yes. So I am like almost always staying like a third away from the person that's singing the melody. With a hymn, it's not that way, so it almost throws me off because the alto line will often just stay on the one or the three, like the whole phrase. Yes. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, I want to move with this, but if not, if I move with it, then I'm clashing with the tenor part Correct. or I'm clashing with the chord that they're playing because in the chord, only the five is present. And so if I'm trying to sing something else, then it's like, it sounds like a mess. Well, then there's this other thing that happens that it's so funny. I, I can look at the page and I can know before we even sing the song, <laughs> there's where Bailey's going to get 
get frustrated get when we're getting ready. It's because there's this thing called a borrowed chord when it comes to uh, classical music theory. Okay, a borrowed chord is when you take a chord that is not in the key signature. Okay, it, it does not fall naturally in the key signature, and you borrow it to set, to basically put a a faux modulation into the into the song and then it brings it back to the original key so like um, a, a chord that i know so many people are like josh quit talking about this but it, there's a chord out there called a secondary dominant <gasps> where it sounds like <laughs> a five chord that leads you back always leads you back to one but it's a five chord in another key that leads you to a major key or a major chord or a minor chord in the original key, yeah. it makes it feel like it's modulated. So I can look at that and go, oh, there's a secondary dominant. Bailey's going Bailey's going because trip up on that. Because the alto normally is picking that up. Right. The so, alto is the one that makes it happen. Yes. So it's like everything that I've sung leading up to this point, it's all thrown down the drain for 0.2 seconds. And I'm like, where did that note come from? So, because I have to sing it. So if, <laughs> if musical people struggle with this, if musical people, not all musical people, but ba- Bailey's got a degree in this stuff. You know, if occasionally she's only, she talking about a girl who went to all state choir in, in <laughs> high school, she knows how to read music. She knows that if she's going to struggle with this stuff, one thing that can be viewed as I would say bad is sometimes the musical notation can be so precise that it's a distraction. Yeah. And so for somebody who's unchurched from an even from an evangelism standpoint as an evangelical Christian that potentially can get in the way of them hearing the actual lyric. Yeah. I don't want to talk about how the same can be true with contemporary worship in other ways that you're right. I know you're saying that. Yeah. Okay. But just because it's true in a, in another world doesn't mean it can't also be true in this world. Yeah. So it's although musical notation is valuable, it does make it difficult for people who are not engrossed in this. Yeah. Also, that le- leads us to another thing. One of the things we put put our how we choose worship songs through, you know, is it singable? Is it beautiful? The thing with traditional worship is things can we can become obsessed with what's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite choir anthems ever is uh, The Majesty and Glory of Your Name, Tom Fetke's version of The Majesty and Glory of Your Name. Absolutely beautiful. It's, it's scripture, but the orchestration and the, and the choir parts are very intricate, very beautiful, but there's, sometimes I wonder if it's so beautiful that people aren't paying attention to the words themselves. Mm. They're paying attention to the art, yeah. As opposed to they're 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 paying attention to the creation, mm-hmm. as opposed to the creator, yeah. Which is what idolatry, yeah. Right. So traditional worship can be entertainment driven, can be about the beauty. That's something to pay attention to. Another thing that can be bad about traditional worship, the definition of traditional worship is not consistent from church to church. Mm. (laughs) Uh, um, Here at Spotswood, our traditional worship service, we'll do praise and worship songs from the late 90s, early 2000s. And they consider them hymns because it's in the 2008 Baptist hymnal. Mm -hmm. Well, at, you know, Bible Church USA, you know, making, (laughs) making up rent, so I'm not calling anybody out. They may only do, you know, hymns from the 17, 1800s. Mm-hmm. 
Anything after well, that's totally different. Like you can't call one traditional and one traditional, right? Like like what Yeah. What why, is traditional? What is traditional? <laughs> like, or is it just a preference? So we call it traditional. This is this group of people's thought of what traditional worship is and that well, this group's different. Well, what if you put those two groups together? Are they going to be able to worship together? Maybe, probably not. Honestly, yeah. probably not. Yeah. Um. So, definition of traditional worship is not consistent from church to church. And uh, I would say finally, the the last bad thing about uh, traditional worship is it does because there's so much heritage attached to it. It does promote being married to a musical style as opposed to the theology that it supposedly promotes. It's just the nature of it. Yeah. The consistency, it's comfortable. Yeah. Well, something about contemporary worship, it's ever-changing. Yeah. But like he said, because of the heritage of traditional worship, what we know is what we've always known. Absolutely. Um, so to make that ever-changing is a little bit of a soft spot. Well, you know, you know one thing that's, kind of starting to become prevalent. Bailey, you, I want you to speak into this. There are contemporary churches that have developed their traditions now. Mm. And so, like, they don't want to do, like, there are churches out there that are quote-unquote contemporary churches mm-hmm. that, like, they'll only do, like, the old-school Casting Crown stuff, the early Chris Tomlin stuff, yeah. the early Hillsong stuff, Mercy Me, and that that's all they'll do. And if you start proposing, hey, why don't you do this song by, by Hillsong or this song by Passion? Oh, no, that's that new contemporary stuff. And I, we just can't get on board with that. Yeah. So it's like they've, it's like a new version of traditional yeah. church has appeared. Well, and I've even seen churches that have clung to and their tradition has been being different and not using the well-known Come contemporary on. worship songs. And it's like... Okay, well, there are probably some people in your congregation that would love to know the song before they actually come to the service. And so, and like I've served at churches that I think this is a a really good thing. Something they would always tell us is a lot of people that are coming to our church may not be quote unquote churched. And so, but they may listen to the radio, like Christian radio. Yes. So we want our worship to like be modeled after what they're hearing on the radio because it's what they're familiar with. So they can be more comfortable when they come. And I think that can be a really great thing. And so when you're clinging to like, well, we don't want to do a song that people always hear. It's like, sometimes that's what people need. Yeah. Not everybody is a right brain creative type that Mm -hmm. likes to see something brand new created on the platform every single Sunday. Yeah. Um, And that can become a tradition. Like that can become an identity that's unhealthy. it's like repetition of new things yeah. just for the sake of repetition for new things. Yeah. So again, what is traditional worship? Nah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we exactly. all have our own traditions. Yes. And th- and that's that's something we all have to work through together. So moving into the ugly side of traditional worship. Um sometimes traditional worship intimidates people who weren't raised in the church. Mm, come on. Um if someone has ever had a bad experience with a church, and I don't, I'm, I'm not saying that that always has to be a traditional church or a tradi- in a traditional setting, but there are people that have a ba- have a bad experience, and they've associated that with 
you know, stand going to church, sitting in a pew, holding up a hymn book, singing with everybody, mm-hmm. you know, and then sit, stand up, sit down, stand the, you know, that over and over and over again. Then something bad happens. That 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 can be that image can be attached to their qualm, if you yeah. will, with the church. Well, and some people who were raised in church were really hurt by that church and hurt by, um, I don't want to say hurt by religion, but maybe they were hurt by religion. Maybe. And growing up, I mean, it's just like walking into the middle school you were bullied at. You probably don't want to be there. Um, and so it's not, it's not necessarily the worship style that is ugly to them. It's the association. Right. And I think that it's important we're sensitive to that and um, the tradition that comes along with that. And that doesn't mean that the person is not a believer anymore. That doesn't mean they don't go to church anymore. But because of the tradition of it, it does carry a different kind of weight. Yep. And to some people, that's a negative weight. Yeah. So that that's something our as a church that does have traditional worship in it, we have to be mindful of as we deal with people coming. It's important that our traditional people, knowing that that's, that's what has happened at, with, for some people that may be coming in the door, that when they come in the door, if they're coming to the traditional service, you need to be excited to see new people. You need to welcome them. You need to make them feel feel like they are wanted. Mm-hmm. And and that needs to be something that it's, it's kind of like not to go on a political tangent. I don't want to talk about this a whole lot, but Pastor Drew has talked about this in the service. If wearing a mask opens the ability for somebody, opens up the opportunity for somebody to, to hear the gospel for the first time, mm-hmm. I'm going to wear the mask, even though I don't want to wear one. Because I don't, I hate wearing masks. I hate yeah. them. I don't disagree with them. I'm it's not going not like a metaphorical mask, like a, like a face covering, like the mask. face covering, <laughs> like, it's, like with the whole co- the COVID thing. Right. I, I literally hate walking around with one on because I have asthma and it feels weird breathing with one on so on and so forth. But you know what? If, you know, John walks in and doesn't know the gospel and he is really scared of COVID-19, mm-hmm. I'm going to slap that mask on so fast because I want to be able to share the gospel with him. I want him to know that Jesus loves him and I care enough about him to put aside my preference to share the gospel with him. So I I think what I'm trying to get at with the whole sometimes traditional worship uh, intimidates people. I think sometimes we are so married to our musical tradition Mm -hmm. that we would rather be, we would rather care more about it than the people, the, the, evangelism opportunities yeah. that we have with traditional worship. And that is the perfect lead in to how traditional worship can become an idol. Yes, absolutely. Um, if, if traditional worship, any worship, any music style, anything becomes more important than these two things. Number one, encountering God on Sunday morning. That's the number one priority mm-hmm. when it comes to corporate worship, encountering Jesus encountering the Holy Spirit, encountering God the Father. If it's more important than that, we've lost it. Mm-hmm. Number two, if it becomes more important than someone else encountering mm. Jesus, someone else encountering the Holy Spirit, then we've lost it. Yeah. And a lot of times that, hap- that happens in churches. I would say I hadn't seen it in an unhealthy way here at Spotswood, but... 
I would say I do know churches where it is unhealthy and it still is a problem, yeah. which means that one day it potentially could be a problem for us that we need to be willing to talk about. Yeah. Um, it doesn't need to become an idol, not something, man, just look how awesome our orchestra is or look, look, listen to how awesome our companies are. Listen to how awesome our choir is. Now that stuff, that's not why we do it. We yeah. do it because we want to see God glorified. We have people that have the ability to do all this stuff and we want to put it together to point people to Jesus. Yeah. Not so we can point to ourselves. Right. Um, I guess the last thing we need to look at here, Bailey, um, is sometimes traditional worship divides people. Yeah. Just like contemporary worship can divide people. Mm-hmm. But traditional worship can divide people too. You'd be surprised how many people or how many times I've been emailed asking. Well, I know I've had at least one email since I've been here about people asking if we can hear more Bach in the traditional service as opposed to um, maybe more of the traditional Southern Baptist hymns like Crowning with Many Crowns or All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They'd want to hear more... Um, uh, why is it leaving me? I can't even remember. They just want to hear more Bach. Yeah. And, you know, they just have to have Bach to worship. Well, if you have to have something to worship, you're not worshiping Jesus. You're worshiping the thing you have to have to be able to worship. Mm. Mm. I wish I could, like, run a lap. <laughs> it's the truth, though, right? Headphones on, though. Yeah, that's right. Tear up the podcast studio. <laughs> but that, isn't that the truth? Like, yeah. I mean, if something comes between you and you and Jesus... And you have to have it to be present. That's 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 you're not worshiping Jesus. You're worshiping it. We don't need to let traditional worship or any worship style, for that matter, come between us and the Father. Yeah. Ever. And we don't need to let it let it come between us. Yeah. Ever. So, just need to be really really careful about that. And a lot of these things that we're saying, everybody. The, it can be said about other styles of worship as well, but we, we need to actively recognize that it is, can, will, and should be recognized that it, it, it is part of traditional worship as well. Yeah. Just because it can be said about something else doesn't necessarily mean that it can't be said about us. Yeah. Or that it lessens the value of it being said about traditional worship. So going into next next episode, we're going to do the exact same thing with contemporary worship. And trust me, there's a lot to talk about oh, there. Oh, yeah. So if, you, if this put a bad taste in your mouth, take a deep breath. Okay? Pray about it. Think about it. It'll be okay. <laughs> All right? Let's go into yay, nay, or pray. Bailey, what song are we talking about today? Mm, we kind of mentioned it earlier, but we are going to be talking about Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. I do know this hymn. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So some lyrics from Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. A great, great song. Uh, one of the things you should consider when singing this song, um, although... Uh, through my research, I could not find a definitive answer on this, um, but there are rumblings that Robert Robinson, who wrote the hymn, uh, became a Unitarian before he died. Um, basically, stepped away from the, the, the Protestant faith or faith in general 
um, and just kind of believed that God was this, you know, being that we really don't understand just floating out there, and he was in no way, shape, or form necessarily connected to the Bible. Um, very kind of scary stuff. So when you hear the lyric, um, um, let's see if I can find it. Um, Oda Grace, uh, yeah, Oda Grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. This lyric, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. So if it's true that he did leave the faith, there's probably evidence that Robert Robinson was struggling with what he actually believed when he wrote this. Mm -hmm. So it's important, although I don't think there's anything wrong with the lyrics of the song itself, it's important to realize that maybe other stuff that we may or may not use that we should look at it under a microscope. Mm -hmm. Um, We've done this at Spotswood since I've been here. Yeah. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts, Bailey? What are your thoughts on that? Hearing that? I mean, I don't think that this is something that necessarily keeps it from being a valuable worship song. Um, I think that it is theologically sound. Um, I think that it refers to us as humans and like our flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's relatable, honestly. Um, and some people would probably be afraid to admit that because it's like, oh, well, I, I, I never struggle with that. I never struggle with my faith. And it's like, come on. Yeah. Be real. You do. Yeah. And so, yes, like if he did leave the faith, that's heartbreaking and that's really sad. But I think that there is some worth in knowing that there were songs like this that were written so long ago that are so relatable today. Absolutely. No, that's real good. I think it's also really good to know that um, even if you are someone who is I mean, consider it like a pillar, so to speak, in your faith community that it's important to guard your heart. Mm. If it can happen to this guy, it yeah. can happen to you. Yeah. Especially in the world that we live in with the whole cancel culture stuff. It's really easy to be offended by something that happens or and, and not reason with your church or reason with your community of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to say, you know what, I cancel you. I'm getting out of here. Because if, yeah. if that's true about Robert Robinson, then, I mean, essentially he, 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 he canceled his, his faith. Yeah. He canceled the, the, the community faith. And we need to make sure that we aren't creating opportunities for people to do that. Yeah. Uh, we shouldn't be putting our people in such a place where they feel like they have to quote unquote cancel us. Uh, we just got to be very careful. So yeah. I would call this one, um, a yay borderline pray. Yeah. Um, and I, I would say just about anything that any of his other writings, anything else that, which I'm, I'm not familiar with anything else that he's written. Um, yeah. but just yay borderline pray. I wouldn't say it's a nay. I know people that do say it's a nay, mm, like, wow. and they're like hardcore. I will never sing that song in a church because, you know, it's kind of like a, uh, I forget what, who called it. Like a, it's like if there, if there are, beautiful aromas if our worship is a beautiful aroma mm. this is a stench oh, wow. and i was like Woo-wee, okay yeah. okay all right i, I kind of sort of get it but i also think it's a little harsh um so yeah i say it's a yay borderline prey is that fair yeah i think so okay um so everyone we're so happy that you joined us today 
Um, but we still want to hear your questions. That's we right. want to hear your comments. Um, so ask and connect with us on social media at Spotswood Creative on Instagram and Facebook, or you can email us at Spotswood Creative at Spotswood.org. Um, be sure to rate the podcast and share it. And we will be back in a couple of weeks to talk about more stuff that matters. And until then, Josh, keep it on. Thank you.